All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. We are bringing back our Season 2 format for this episode. As this is our Super Bowl 54 special, we will be talking exclusively about the big game as we break down the Kansas City Chiefs' 31-20 comeback victory over the San Francisco 49ers and what that means for the legacies of the players and coaches involved. In addition to all the football talk, we'll give our thoughts on all the theatrics from the event, including Jennifer Lopez and Shakira's halftime show, before counting down our favorite commercials from Sunday night in today's Top 5. So, we are listening to our Super Bowl 54 special. The Kansas City Chiefs knock off the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. to uh, If you have been listening for a long time, or if you just stumbled upon us and see the podcast start, you know that Ben is a big 49ers fan. And I'm sure that uh, the past couple of days uh, since this game have been challenging for you. But before we talk about any of this... Brian and I just want to say some some good things about the 49ers, some good things about you. Maybe get you kind of feeling a little cheery before we uh, recap that game. So, I mean, first of all, the 49ers had an unbelievable season. Going 13-3 and after missing the playoffs last year. I was a big proponent of them being good this year, good enough to make the playoffs. I never imagined this, them being a Super Bowl contender. And I'm sure that you and a lot of other 49ers fans never in your wildest dreams back in August expected the kind of season that they had. I mean, back in August, I thought they were going to go like 6-10 and 10 and miss the playoffs and just slightly improve on what they were able to acquire in the draft, but they made the Super Bowl and almost pulled off the victory, which is pretty amazing for a team that had the second overall pick last year. And I was also taking a look, at, uh, taking a look back at the past Super Bowls, and if you take a look at uh, our team's losses, and take out Super Bowl 30 and 31 when we were one or two years old, uh, Corey Steelers have lost the Super Bowl game once in our lifetime. The Niners yep. have lost twice, and the Patriots have lost three times. So I, I think it's fair to say that uh, I have suffered the most uh, heartbreaks in our lifetimes, if you think about it. Three times. I don't know how I can I, As a Patriots fan, I feel like the wins somehow do something yeah, maybe, to mitigate yeah. that. I don't know, maybe but a little bit. I, I'm... I, um, as a multi-Super Bowl loser, um, I'll tell you, it doesn't hurt as bad to lose the second one. I was absolutely crushed after we lost to the Ravens, especially the way we lost. Um, this one hurts, obviously, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's just experience. Maybe it's just emotional maturity. But um, I was able to carry on uh, the next day. But all day today, I was kind of uh, not looking forward to recording the podcast because um, I was thinking of it as like <laughs> the Super Bowl and like my relationship to the 49ers and seeing them, you know, lose on in the on the biggest stage in football is kind of like publicly being dumped by your girlfriend 
and her marrying some other guy in front of everyone in the entire world. And then you have to walk around after that and like live with that. And everyone knows it. Like I, there are very few people who know me who don't know how big of a 49ers fan I am. But then I also, once I started actually writing down my thoughts for this episode, it is a little bit cathartic to talk through this game and get my thoughts on it out there um, and at least process them and hopefully eventually move past it. So um, let's talk about this game. And I want to start with talking about Jimmy because he was the, you know, quote unquote weak link in the 49ers, uh, the, the, the unproven quarterback. They paid too much for him. Uh, he didn't have his best game. Okay. But he also didn't play awful. I know that he had two interceptions, but I don't think that either of them were that consequential. He had a really bad, it was supposed to be a throwaway that got intercepted, but it was a pseudo arm punt, if you ask me. The Chiefs had to go on like a nine play drive after that to get three points. Um, Like, that's not a crushing blow. And then his second interception was in desperation mode. I mean, Credit the Chiefs defensive player for coming up with a pick, but um, it wasn't like if we completed that pass, we were gonna we had a chance of winning. We were down two scores late at that point. So I am disappointed with what I saw from Jimmy. I thought this was the game that he would turn to be a champion, but at the same time, I'm not going to put all the blame on him. Now, I think Garoppolo definitely deserves some of the blame uh, for part of uh, what he did down the stretch, but he played so well in the beginning, and he was outplaying Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So I think that there's a, a silver lining, at least, to the, the beginning of uh, what he did in that game versus how things played out at the end. Right, and, he, and he's never been, or he rarely has been asked to be a Patrick Mahomes-level quarterback. He generally has, is just asked to run the game plan that Kyle Shanahan puts together, which leads me to the amount of running we did in this game. It's frustrating that with how much success we were having on the ground that the 49ers opted to throw it more than pass it. Mostert only had 12 carries. Coleman, five, each averaging about five yards per carry. This was a game where I expected to see a whole lot of trickeration with the offensive uh, run schemes, and uh, I don't think we saw enough of it. It's it is it almost feels like Kyle Shanahan was you know overthinking it, which is exactly what people said he would do in a Super Bowl. So that that is definitely cringe-inducing and something I wish we even Debo was running the ball well. So it's really frustrating not to have the 49ers run it down their throats, especially after the way that we've been running it this postseason. I do blame Garoppolo a little bit for the loss, but I think the most blame goes to Kyle Shanahan for being too conservative in that first half. If you look at the last two minutes of the first half, he had three timeouts left with over a minute left, and John Lynch is literally in the booth saying timeout, call a timeout so he can drive down the field and score, and he wouldn't do that. And then all of a sudden the Chiefs call a timeout on third down, and the, the Niners drive down midfield, and then they get a George Kittle completion but gets called pass interference, and then that's the end of the half. And he kind of blew it there, and I also think well, Kyle— Well, sh- before we move oh, yeah, on from that, a lot of people have called that play out as bad officiating. A lot of you know Niners fans have like blamed this loss on the referees, and that's always a frustrating thing to deal with is losing a championship game because of the referees— I personally don't feel like that was the case. Football has a lot of judgment calls, a lot of questionable calls. In my opinion, 
unless it's totally egregious like the Saints-Rams game, most of the times it evens out. Most of the times the no calls for one team are canceled out by a silly call the other way. It generally, I don't feel like this game was ruined by the refs in any meaningful way. I, I agree. I think um, that's one of those like 50-50 blocker charge calls on that, that pass interference where, yeah, Kittle extended. And to me, it's not about was it pass interference or not, but it was about consistency and uh, whether the NFL was calling that in other moments and then to have them call in the Super Bowl. It's like, is this really the time when we, we've seen plays that aren't called that way? Uh, but I, I think when you look at the definition, it's reasonable to call that a pass interference, just a matter, okay, well, if the situational, you could say, well, situational shouldn't matter. It's more of the, the consistency and that the NFL is not calling it in different situations. Why are they calling it in the Super Bowl? Uh, but like uh, Brian's point, it, the, it shouldn't have come down to just offensive pass interference is called Oh, and the Niners can't score there because they had two minutes to work with and Kyle Shanahan was content with a 10 ton tie going in the half. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating to think that Kyle Shanahan was satisfied with just 10 points, especially because of the way that the Chiefs have played this postseason. They're absolutely never out of it. If you're going against a good quarterback in the NFL, like one of these top tier Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes type guys, they're never truly out of it. They have that talent to be able to resurrect their team when it all seems lost. And Kyle Shanahan, of all people, should know this. So it it's, yeah, it's truly a head scratcher as to why he didn't try to use that two minutes that we had before halftime to drive down and get some points. The, the 49ers had an opportunity to score before half and then get the ball back. That's a, that's a crushing blow in a championship game. That is a momentum sealer, you know? That is almost enough to carry you to the finish, but... To think that the Chiefs weren't going to score more in the second half, I think, was ludicrous. Like Patrick Mahomes was was playing beatable in this game. He had two interceptions, and unlike Jimmy's interceptions, I think his interceptions were actually bad. Like he cost his team a lot uh, by with, with these silly turnovers. It, it really did. After the second interception, the f- that almost seemed like the game. The first one was much worse. The second one, I was just a little bit behind Tyreek Hill. I, mean, I think he could have completed or caught that but the first one for sure to fred warner was terrible sure yeah and and both of those interceptions happened in the second half too so going into the locker room yeah mahomes hadn't been playing all that amazing but he hadn't been turning the ball over it's not like he was like super frustrated at going into the halftime so i think that's another reason where it's like yeah they only have 10 points but like they've had opportunities to score here like you know it's only a matter of time before mahomes figures it out Mahomes does not play bad football often. And the Niners, I I honestly think the Niners were, like, they did well to hold this Chiefs offense to 31 points. Like, that's that's a decent outing against the Chiefs. They're amazing. And I just think that our mindset on offense was off. And, uh, you know, that's definitely true with the lack of the run game and not being aggressive before the half. But... We still were in it. It's not like the these decisions made us look hopeless. We led for a large portion of the game. What really is, is something that I almost want to be able to block out of my memory is the third down play, the deep ball to a wide open Emmanuel Sanders. He got behind the defense, exactly what the Chiefs didn't need in that moment. And Jimmy, the once highest paid player in the league, could not complete that pass. 
You know, that's the that's the type of pass where if he accomplishes nothing else for the rest of his career, we still give him the thumbs up and say, money well spent. And for him to just overthrow him there is it's heartbreaking. It's it's really difficult to to see that replay again. And that will haunt me. That play will haunt me the same way that the Crabtree fade haunts me uh, from the last Super Bowl. It's like, man, if we had just placed the ball a little bit better, we could have been in a different situation. I've been critical of Garoppolo several times on here, but I actually I actually do like Garoppolo. I remember when he was with the Patriots, uh, I wanted them to keep him. But if it was between Brady or Garoppolo, I was definitely on the Brady side and figured Garoppolo would have a good career with the Niners, and he, he still can. Uh, but just seeing, like what you said, Ben, uh, those bad drives and then the bad overthrow to Sanders and basically you know, choking away the game, uh, I just think... Garoppolo is closer to that Matt Ryan range or middle of the pack kind of QB than one of the elite QBs in the league. It's, uh, you know, this game definitely didn't give you anything to change your mind on that. Um, But he has still been able to hand out punishment to better defenses. So it's really, if you look at this season for the 49ers, This is the fourth time in 19 games this season. This is the 19th game of the season for the 49ers. This is only the fourth time that they scored 20 points or less. Two of the games that they scored 20 points or less were in the pouring rain in Baltimore and uh, in, in D.C. So it's hard to just, you know, as a fan who's watched all of these games, it's just hard to, you know, manage that. To say, how could we not, put up more points especially because we knew who our opponent was this was going to be a shootout that was going to that was the plan from the beginning there was no way we were going to be fortunate enough that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to show up for the Super Bowl okay and uh it's you know it's bad timing for the the offense to lose its momentum yeah, I mean, uh, kicking field goals is not the recipe to beat Patrick Mahomes definitely not, not going for a last minute drive at the end of the half is not going to do it either and that tells you that tells your team that you don't have faith in them to be able to execute as expected in order to win this game so and I mean that that play that we talk about with Jimmy Garoppolo that was the difference between you know questioning what the 49ers paid Jimmy Garoppolo whether or not he can be more than just a game changer game manager a guy who can actually lead this team to a Super Bowl versus him most likely winning Super Bowl MVP. You know, there, there is enough time that Mahomes could pull out uh, some more magic there. But if that he connects on that, it's 27-24 49ers with a minute and a half to go. If if Sanders makes it to the end zone, I could easily see Sanders falling down with the ball and the 49ers in the in the red zone, you know, they were doing well. Wouldn't he have been inside the five? So it yes. almost, I mean, almost would have been better because he could have killed yes. more time. So Exactly. I mean, again, this is our big ifs, right? Mm-hmm. Just he'd have to ca- complete the ball, but yeah, you had to have that, um, and it's that is the the pinnacle play in this. That is the one that's going to stick with me and haunt me. Um, but I, I want to point this out. I don't hate the Chiefs. I have no ill will towards them. I respect Andy Reid. I've respected him for a long time. I really, I love Patrick Mahomes. Like it sucks that his first championship has to be against us because I look forward 
to enjoying a long and fruitful career from Patrick Mahomes. He is such an amazing... We've talked about him on, on this podcast before about how it's crazy that he's this good and this young. And, and he's doing it in a way that we haven't seen before. And, and it's... Um, I'm not ashamed to be bested by Patrick Mahomes. But it doesn't feel like the best version of Patrick Mahomes bested us. And it doesn't feel like we gave it our best effort against him. That's what's scary about Mahomes is that he was basically mediocre for three and a half quarters, but the Chiefs were still able to win that game. That's scary to think yes. what he could do in the future. I mean, so, going beyond that, I mean, I, I I enjoy the talents of Tyron Matthew and Chris Jones on this defense. I, Frank Clark gave me a lot of reasons to hate him at this point because he used to be a Seahawk and then he just talks so much during the Super Bowl, like basically the whole thing before and after, just disrespecting the 49ers. So don't like him. But I have nothing against the rest of the Chiefs. Like I'm, I'm happy for them. They're a championship-starved football team. Good for them. That I, I, At least we're losing to someone who uh, it's you know nice to see them win as opposed to just adding another one to the Patriots trophy case. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 always am, I always think back to that Onion um, article where it's Tom Brady holding his sixth Lombardi trophy and it has a quote underneath it. He says, this one means the least of all. <laughs> um, so just to go back, kind of like you guys st- started this off very um, optimistically. I want you to know that this has not crushed my spirit. I still support the 49ers, of course. We were not supposed to be here. I was optimistic at the beginning of the season, saying that I was certain we'd make the playoffs, and we went beyond that. We did, you know, surpassed expectations. But it does really hurt to look back at the way this season went and how we got here because there's so many things that went our way. From beating the Saints in a shootout that easily could have gone their way, Right, It just really ended up being who scored last uh, in that game. To beating the Seahawks by mere inches. A a play that would have gone down a 49ers legacy had we won this Super Bowl. Many people still remember it. It's Dre Greenlaw's biggest play of his career, um, his young career. But that kind of play could go the other way. He gets another inch, touchdown Seahawks. Now the 49ers don't have home field advantage. Um, the Vikings upsetting the Saints and taking them out of the playoffs for us. That was pretty fortunate, even if it meant they were coming to Levi's. That, that's not a guaranteed thing. And holding the Chiefs to just 10 points or three quarters. like That probably wouldn't happen if they played this game again. That is pretty unlikely, despite how well our defense played. So there's a lot of great football teams in the NFL, and you don't get to be a champion without a bit of luck. And the 49ers squandered a whole heaping helping of luck this season. And it hurts to think about what could have been if we had just made it through that final stretch. Yeah, you you never really know when you're going to get another chance in the NFL. Because seven years ago, the 49ers looked like they were in prime position to get back to the Super Bowl, win another Super Bowl, and that shattered quickly. But well, I think well, this okay. team has more reason to be optimistic. Yes, I don't expect and again you can't see no one saw it coming from the Harbaugh administration either but I don't see Jed York firing Kyle Shanahan after an eight and eight season if that's what comes two years from now okay the the collapse of the 49ers was self-inflicted and I swear if we can't avoid doing that again I might have to reconsider my fanhood because that was just totally ridiculous so I don't expect that no one should expect that from their freaking front office I'm still optimistic about the future. 
Debo Samuel is perhaps the best rookie wide receiver the 49ers have seen since Terrell Owens. Nick Bosa is defensive rookie of the year and a rising star. He'll get better from here. And not like let's give him props. He played amazing in the Super Bowl. He, he was He could have won Super Bowl MVP if the 49ers held on. He, he was probably would have gone to we, Jimmy G, but I would have picked Samuel. It was, it was he was the best player in the first half, but he didn't do too much in the second. If it was 20 to 10 and Nick Bosa maybe picked a couple more sacks, you could have that conversation. Big ifs, though, right? But what really happened was Nick Bosa went out there and played his heart out. Um, it hurt to see him crying on the sideline. And even though all the rea- all the memes I saw about it, it was like anti-Trump people totally trolling him. Um, he hasn't really been a Trump personality since he's come to the team. He's been apolitical, if you ask me. But he played well, and that's what I want to focus on. He, he played really well, and he, he's going to play for the 49ers for a really long time. Um, believe it or not, Jimmy Garoppolo is still relatively inexperienced. This is his first season uh, being a starter for the whole season, and he made it to the Super Bowl. And you can have your opinions on him, but I believe that he will improve. Matt Ryan, I saw his compar- stat comparison today i don't have the stats in front of me but jimmy's first full season with kyle shanahan he had better stats than matt ryan matt ryan's second full season with kyle shanahan was his mvp season so i'm hoping that at least from a statistical perspective jimmy will improve in his next full season as a starter we have george kittle the undeniably best tight end in the league even if he didn't get his chance to shine on the big stage travis kelsey played an amazing game and despite his championship screw-ups, Kyle Shanahan is still one of the premier coaches in this league. I hope and believe the 49ers will be back. And that's how I feel. Uh, ben, but you mentioned the uh, Onion article that you saw with the Patriots winning their sixth, and it said the caption was, this one means the least. I don't totally disagree with that, but that year, or the year before, they lost to the Eagles in a very heartbreaking fashion and had a lot of off-season drama. It didn't look like they were going to go back again, but they were able to come together and prove everyone wrong and win a Super Bowl still. Uh, My thing is with the Niners, are they going to be like the Patriots last season where they rebound, or are they going to be like the Rams with McVay and Goff and then just miss the playoffs next year and then just, just not get back again? It is never easy to win the NFC West with Russell Wilson there. I think our biggest challenge is just staying at the top of our division. Let's win that that war first. Um, I, I mean, it, there's so much that's going to happen between now and the first game of the 2020 season. So uh, you can only speculate, you know. It depends who we decide to pay. George Kittle and DeForest Buckner are both n- nearing extension time and they're both going to charge a lot of money eric armstead is going to be a free agent and the 49ers don't have the biggest they don't have the deepest pockets this offseason so he might be departing there's john lynch has been amazing at finding cheap talent and uh drafting well so i i hope that that continues you hope that the longer your good gm gets to make choices for your team the better you'll become but again you just have to at this point you just have to speculate and hope um so i i believe that these guys can bounce back i mean losing the super bowl is pretty crushing but also like the first couple seasons of the Kyle shanahan john lynch regime were pretty crushing as well we were so irrelevant and terrible and couldn't even come close to winning most weeks so 
I think these guys are going to be hungry. I think they're going to be ready to to perform. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if we're the Patriots or the Rams. You know, I, I don't want to rain on, on your parade, Ben, but... It's the already Patriots rained the Rams. on my parade, it's, dude. It's not a, that's not a <laughs> comparison. The Patriots are the exception when it comes to Super Bowl losers in the past. And, right. I mean, you look at the Rams, yeah, they missed the playoffs. That's something a lot of people will kind of be like, okay, this team's still going to be really good, but you see the Seahawks and the 49ers on the come up. Super Bowl hangover affects so many teams. Before the Patriots, you know, you had the, the Falcons after blowing that Super Bowl. Yeah, they got back to the playoffs, but the past two years, they've totally fallen apart. And it's almost a miracle that Dan Quinn's still their head coach. You just keep going back all these teams. I mean, the Patriots are the exception. You know, well, when they lost to the Giants in 2011, they were the next year they were a one seed, and they lost in the conference championship game. The only reason they missed the playoffs in 2008 was because Tom Brady got hurt, and they still won 11 games in Matt Castle. So you're right; it's not it's not a good idea to ever compare yourself to the Patriots' success. But I mean, I'll just look at the last time the 49ers lost the Super Bowl. They made it to the NFC Championship in the following season. I think it's possible, but again. That's too far in the future for me right now. Right now, the guys have got to lick their wounds and find a way to turn this around mentally. Um, frankly, I'm exhausted, and I'm ready for the offseason. I'm ready to spend some time focusing on a different sport, um, and hopefully by September I'll be ready to see the 49ers take the field again. Wait, so you're ready to focus on a different sport with the OKC Thunder being led by Chris Paul and... Uh, Steven Adams and their championship ways? Nobody said they had to win a championship. <laughs> I just want to watch a different sport. And as, as much as uh, Ben can be ready, I, I think that we still have a lot more stuff to talk about with this game. Uh, because, you know, we've, we've spent a plenty of, well, Ben spent plenty of time talking about the 49ers, but there is a Chiefs aspect to this. And 12 minutes to go in this game, the Chiefs are facing a third and six from the San Francisco 23-yard line, down 20 to 10. Patrick Mahomes has not been playing a great game to this point. He has an opportunity here where, worst case scenario, you're kicking a field goal. It's a one-touchdown game, and you, you still have a chance. What happens? He throws a ball behind Tyreek Hill. I know Tyreek Hill got a tip on this, but I don't put this on Tyreek Hill. I put it on Patrick Mahomes. He, it's a tip pass, intercepted. All of a sudden, the 49ers have ball with 12 minutes to go, up by 10. Any other quarterback in the league, in my opinion, does not do what Patrick Mahomes did and comes back and win this game. That's that's just I you're playing a terrible game in the Super Bowl. You're I mean the, the fact that he's 24 years old, he's this is his first time in this moment. This is arguably the worst game of his career to this point after that happens. And the fact that he was still able to come back and win this game, I think that just speaks volumes to how great he is, how great he can be in the future. Because it's just one of those things that have the mental toughness to be able to come out and say, not let that interception affect you and then go out and score on the next two drives and all of a sudden you're winning. And it's like, how did this happen? As much as we can say the 49ers blew this lead, the Chiefs made a huge comeback. And Patrick Mahomes is a really special player. And I think he's going to continue to be for a very long time. And the 49ers faced the wrong quarterback was really what it came down to. After the Patriots-Seahawks and Patriots-Falcons Super Bowls, it's always a question of, oh, did the Patriots win it or the other teams lose it? And I'm usually on the side of the other teams lose it. And in this game, I would lean more towards the Niners blowing it, but... The Chiefs, and like you said, Mahomes, 
certainly took advantage. And I think the play of the game was that third and long play where Mahomes took advantage of the bad coverage and got the ball to Tyree Kill, and then they were able to score. And then uh, on the next drive, uh, when they got the ball back after a three and out, Mahomes throws it to Sammy Watkins for that huge first down. And uh, let me just say, I'm a huge Richard Sherman hater. Like, I despise Richard Sherman more than, like, you guys despising Clemson. So seeing that play uh, was very enjoyable for me, I will say, even though uh, that sucked for Ben. Uh, Yeah, and then they were able to take the lead for that Williams uh, touchdown on the sideline. And so that was uh, just an amazing comeback by Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they have a really, really bright future. Yeah, I think both of these teams have a really bright future. And as as much as we can say, like, we don't know what the future holds for the 49ers, you also don't really know what the future holds for the Chiefs because there have been plenty of young quarterbacks who have won big games very young, and they're still waiting on win number two or they're still waiting on win number three. Uh, so I, I am really curious to see where Patrick Mahomes goes from here. But, Brian, um, on Twitter... Uh, after the game, I couldn't help but notice you were retweeting a ton of people, probably everyone who said Damian Williams should win Super Bowl MVP. So are let's you are let, you still on just, that? So I'll I will admit, let's just say I had a decent amount of money on Damian Williams MVP, and if he won MVP, <laughs> I would have collected some four figure payday from that, which would have been nice. But they had to give it to the star player, as always. And I just hate how that happens all the time. And they should give props to some of the other players besides the quarterback. I know in the regular season, it's it typically goes to the quarterback, which I'm fine with. But in the Super Bowl, I'd like to see it to go to other players. In Super Bowl 51, yeah, I was always, it was awesome to see Tom Brady complete the 20-3 comeback. But I think James White should have got the MVP, 14 catches, three touchdowns. I don't know what else he could have done to win that MVP award, but... Uh, still didn't win it. So I'll admit it's mostly because I was uh, mad about my bet, but a lot of other people uh, were also frustrated. If you look at Adam Schefter's tweet about Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP, literally every comment is Williams got snubbed, Williams got snubbed, just over and over again. I wonder if all of them were like me where they bet Williams, but I highly doubt, I highly doubt it. So uh, I'm I'm sticking with that opinion. Damian Williams should have been MVP. He was great start to finish because Mahomes really wasn't that good until the very end. But Damian Williams ran through a Niners defense, the best defense in football, and had over 100 rushing yards and had the go-ahead touchdown to seal the game. Yeah, I was actually going to joke that you had a bet on Damian Williams winning Super Bowl MVP. Did not think that was serious at all. So I, I'm not yeah. joking. I did have I did have that bet and. I had so it was I bet value. So I I I bet yeah, it was like twenty five to one. I bet that and Debo Samuel. So if the Niners won, I know it would have gone to Garoppolo, and I would have been mad about that because it because I would have said, oh, it should have gone to Samuel. Yeah, I think Debo was kind of on pace for it in the first half, and then he just fell out of favor for whatever reason. So Ben, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl MVP argument? Uh, I mean. It's possible to win it if you're not the quarterback. You just have to have a no, really no, no. I mean, who deserved to win it? Oh, I don't know. It feels like Damian Williams got a lot of like it's the Super Bowl, so it's hard to say that there's garbage time. But if Damian Williams had laid down after he got the first down, 
they still would have won. It yeah. wouldn't achieve, like it's a little frustrating to see the the margin of victory for the Chiefs because people are like, oh my gosh, like the Chiefs, d- like if you didn't watch the game, you're like they crushed the 49ers, like it wasn't even close. And yeah, yeah, that's true, but also they didn't have to score that touchdown. They really 49ers kind of had a better chance of winning if uh, by William scoring versus if he went down. Right, because yeah, even though it was still very small, uh, yeah, it was like one percent to zero yeah. percent, but exactly. But yeah, so. I don't know. I, I I think that maybe that inflates his numbers to a point where uh, it makes him seem like he's more important. I, I think Patrick Mahomes' uh, MVP is well-deserved. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to for me as well. I mean, Tyreek Hill had nine catches for 105 yards. If he caught the go-ahead touchdown, would everyone be screaming Tyreek Hill for MVP over Damian Williams? No, they'd be saying, oh, they shouldn't give an MVP award to a child abuser. That's what they'd be yeah, saying. I, oh, yeah, probably. Um but, I mean, I think absolutely Mahomes was deserving of this, and I know he didn't play his greatest game, but what he did down the stretch in those final eight or nine minutes, whatever was left when uh, the Chiefs took took the ball and were able to pull off that comeback was, was worth it to, compared to, to whatever he did in the first 50. To be, to be fair, he did have um, a couple of the biggest plays of that game, including the huge third down completion uh, with what, like six minutes left to go, six or seven minutes left to go, with down down ten points as well. Yeah, yes. yeah. That, I mean, that third and 15, 44-yard pass, they, they had a 3% chance of winning the game before that play. And then everything from there just slowly dipped into Kansas City's favor. Um, so here's actually a fun stat, speaking of third and 15. So last or two weeks ago, we were uh, previewing the Pro Bowl. We were talking about, I guess when we say previewing the Pro Bowl, specifically the new rule, um, the, the onside kick rule. So they, I don't think there – was there actually an onside kick in the game I, or fake onside kick? I think there might have been. Oh, I totally watched the Pro Bowl. I totally didn't just not oh, watch same. it because the Pro Bowl is a waste of time. I definitely sat and watched the whole thing and totally didn't skip it because it's a huge waste of time. Okay, well, regardless of whether or not it happened, the rule was you basically get a 4th and 15 from what your own 25-yard line, uh, wherever the starting point is, somewhere in, on no, your it's, own. No, yeah, it's from your own 25. You 25, get, okay. 4th you you, and 15. Yeah, just one play to get 15 yards. And uh, we were saying, yeah, we like it better than the onside kick rule currently in place because teams never recover onside kicks. You know, maybe there, there's some flaws. I think the with consensus it. was that the current thing is broken and we need to find something better. I don't know yes. if this is, we all said this is definitely yeah, better. You know what? No, that, that's fair. I agree. I, I think it's better. I don't know if it's the best solution, but here's a, a stat that has me really questioning it. So uh, this season on third and 15 plus, Patrick Mahomes was. 13 for 17 for 299 yards with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. So the Chiefs, if they implement this rule, there's a possibility they don't play defense the entire season. Right. That was, um, I, that's what I said when they brought this up is that, yes, it's probably better, but some teams are really good at that down in distance. Like, yeah, if you guys were talking about that. I was like, oh, what, like 30% instead of 20%? Not 13 to 17. That's like almost 80%. So. Yeah, maybe they need to go back to the drawing board with that rule. Or just everybody except the uh, Mahomes. <laughs> that will be the Mahomes rule. <laughs> yeah, so um, in terms of uh, the the Super Bowl itself, do we have any more final thoughts on the overall game? 
I know, Ben, you're probably ready to stop talking about it. Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So uh, I guess from there, let's talk about some of the legacies. And really, the the big one is Andy Reid. Everyone, going into the game, it was Andy Reid has done so much, arguably the greatest coach in NFL history to never win a Super Bowl. He got a Super Bowl. And one more good thing about the Niners, nobody is hating on him. Everyone loves that the Niners lost this game so Andy Reid could win, and I'm sure that plenty of fans will be happy for you know Kyle Shanahan to to break that uh, legacy down the road because that's the thing for <laughs> In Andy 20 Reed. years. <laughs> yeah, Andy Reid just uh, – Eagles fans loved him, and part of that was because the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, so they had no reason to not root for him. It was just everyone was so happy to see Andy Reid uh, just given what he's – gain this reputation for throughout his career having great regular season teams not being able to get it done in the playoffs lost his only Super Bowl appearance and uh he's able to to win and uh celebrated with a nice nice cheeseburger I think he, he made it a double had some barbecue in Kansas City and he made a comment about uh instead of spending the night with his trophy <laughs> the, the Lombardi trophy, trophy with his trophy, trophy wife, wife. <laughs> yeah so he he was loving it um I think at this point, is it fair to say that he's a lock for the Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely a lock. I mean, he probably makes it even without the Super Bowl, but with the Super Bowl, it's it's a lock. I mean, he's he's not he's not Belichick. Belichick's in his tier of his own, but if you ask me who the best coach is from this generation besides Belichick, I mean, I could debate uh, John Harbaugh or Sean Payton, but I, would, I think I would go with Andy Reid. He's had plenty of success maybe not playoff success but um he's he's a good coach everyone respects him and he's great at coaching QBs and and he deserves uh finally finally getting that Super Bowl ring is a great accomplishment for him um I I don't know how much GM influence Andy Reid has um as far as the roster goes but you just have to look at the decision to trade Alex Smith as a just home run like to get rid of him to take a chance on Patrick Mahomes the way that they did, um, not only by getting rid of their franchise quarterback, but also just before that, like drafting him, um, where people said, "Oh, he's not ready." Amazing. I mean, one of the greatest moves we've like roster moves we've seen um, in my experience of watching football, um, and like the MVP already kind of revealed that or, or made that obvious, but a Super Bowl victory when Mahomes is so young cements that as just a like absolutely galaxy brain move. Yeah. I mean, there's no, no, no way the, the chiefs have the same kind of accomplishments the past two seasons with Alex Smith, because they, they didn't do that with him. He had his moments here and there, but he didn't have those kind of playoff successes. And in fact, the, the Chiefs was a team that are often blowing games. They had that 28-point that loss to the Colts in uh, the 2013 playoffs. So absolutely. Um, I, I, I know that John Dorsey was the GM before he wound up in the Browns. I don't remember. I think he was uh, let go in 2017. I don't know if it was before or after the draft. I don't know what kind of influence he had on Patrick Mahomes getting there. But yeah, Andy Reid. I mean, he's he's always been considered one of those quarterback developers, quarterback whisperers. He got Nick Foles out of retirement, and uh, that led to his former team winning a Super Bowl. So uh, now he he got hit one of his own with his his own guy there, and Patrick Mahomes. So uh, beyond him, 
I mean, we, we kind of talked about the the quarterbacks a little bit. I don't think there's too much you can say beyond uh, Patrick Mahomes' legacy at this point. It's it's pretty much cemented in terms of his his current legacy. But there's so much more. There's he's going to define. Uh, I think he will be one of the quarterbacks that defines this generation. Um, he he's done so much already, but he has so much yet like more that he will accomplish. Yeah, he's going to be the guy for the next generation after after Brady, the Brady Manning era, and sort of Rogers. And I, I also saw a clip of uh, on YouTube of first take where their first question was, "Is Mahomes going to reach the Jordan level for the N- for of the NFL?" And as much as I love Mahomes, I <laughs> I hated seeing that question. Just it's so early. You have no yeah, it's idea. Yeah, way too but, early. But again, early. if anybody, I guess the only reason you can't ask that question is because he's so young. There is a possibility, like you know, theoretically, that Mahomes wins six championships in his in his uh, career. There's time for that, you know. Um, but again, let's see more than one first before we start having that conversation. Yeah, I mean, there's still a possibility that this is only one. Aaron Rodgers won one early, hasn't, hasn't won since. since. Russell Wilson won in his second season. He hasn't won since. I mean, it's, it's almost remarkable that Eli and Ben Rosberger got two because other than Brady, nobody's winning multiple Super Bowls right now. So, all right. I would love to see Mahomes win six or more, surpass that title, but he's about to get paid. He's going to be making $200 million on his next contract, and I'm sure that the uh, the Chiefs will have to make some roster sacrifices, uh, especially with some of their other young guys who have been able to contribute, and they'll they'll be paid in the future, whether it's by the Chiefs or a different organization. So I think that's one thing that could certainly hamper them. But when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, I think he can do a lot, and uh, maybe he doesn't necessarily need... Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and uh, I mean Kareem Hunt was substituted for Damian Williams pretty easily. So I, I definitely think that there's reason to believe that the the Chiefs can continue winning with an overpaid, well not even overpaid. He'll be absolutely worth whatever he's paid, but with the the highest paid quarterback in the league. Another one more thing to add to his legacy, he broke the Madden curse technically. He I'm, did, yeah. I mean, well, I guess that's an interesting one because everyone's saying, did the Madden curse apply? Like, did he break it? He did get hurt for a few games. Yeah, but and he still the came Madden back healthy and It doesn't always, I know, but it, it doesn't always affect you right away. Um, so I think the jury's still a little out on that, but I'm pretty sure he's the first one to win the Super Bowl the yeah, year he was R- on the cover. Richard Sherman, the year he was on the cover. Seahawks one, one yard away from winning it, and they lose. Brady finally gets his... His uh, chance on the Madden cover, they lose oh, to no. the Eagles. Gronk was on the cover and they won, right? Gronk was on the so, so Gronk was injured. He didn't even play he was injured. In, yeah. He didn't play when they That's, faced the Falcons. Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't okay. even count that. Madden curse might be dead. I mean, Antonio Brown just he he yeah he he's on another planet right curse. now. He didn't, well no I'm saying the the Madden curse skipped over Mahomes because it's still affecting Antonio Brown. <laughs> So I guess on the flip side in terms of legacies, uh, Kyle Shanahan. So he right now is being remembered as the coach who blew the two largest fourth quarter leads in Super Bowl history. I put the Falcons one a lot more on him. And I know he was only offensive coordinator, but the, the way the Falcons were able to blow that 25-point lead in as little time as they did took a lot on his part. This game, I think as much as I can say that he deserves a lot of the blame for the loss, I think it's more on what he did 
early in the game. You know, we talked about at the end of the half not trying to score, kicking some field goals on fourth and short deep in uh, Kansas City territory. I don't necessarily think uh, the the collapse should be pointed to Kyle Shanahan and uh, the way he executed that offense. So I don't know from your perspectives if you guys think that he deserves a lot more of it. So first thing, dating back to the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl, you say you put more blame on Shanahan for that than Quinn. And I and I said, I remember this argument we had weeks ago. I said I'd blame Quinn for that more. I, I'm After watching this, I might take that back, and maybe that is more on Shanahan. Uh, but he's still, he was still the coordinator then. For this, yeah, I agree with you that I probably put more blame on him for the what happened in the first half rather than the second. Because I think Garoppolo could have bailed him out for being a little aggressive in this at the end of the fourth quarter if he found some open guys. I think there are a couple plays where Garoppolo like he made the he threw it to the wrong guy with I think Kittle was wide open on one of those. Yeah, yeah well, it was back to back plays. So on second and five, the Chiefs have eight men in the box and George Kittle's wide open for a first down, but it gets batted down at the line. And then the next play, Kittle's wide open again, and he throws it to Kendrick Bourne incomplete. So I think those two plays, as much as you can say, oh, he should have ran the ball instead of passing it, I think it comes down to poor execution more than bad play calling on Shanahan's part. uh, Yeah, totally agree. Going back to that missed deep ball to Sanders, Shanahan put them in position to win this game. Um, He, as Even though I think he could have done a much better job of doing that, um, if they obviously, and again, we're repeating ourselves at this point, but I do believe that I don't have an effective rebuttal anymore to Kyle Shanahan chokes. And the only way he's going to get that monkey off his back is by getting back and winning the Super Bowl. But until then, I don't believe that I have any evidence to say he's not what everyone says he is, which is a head coach that can't hold a lead in the Super Bowl. So if the 49ers make it back to the Super Bowl... Do you think the uh, recipe for winning is falling behind early? So that way Shanahan's the one doing the comeback instead of the other team? <laughs> no, no, no. I was thinking no, no. the exact same that's, thing. That's big brain, but I'm, I have to go galaxy brain, and we would have to fire him before the Super Bowl um, and get an interim coach to win it for us before rehiring Shanahan uh, for the trophy ceremony. Bring in Andy Reid after he retires just, just for the game. Maybe that's the thing that Andy Reid used to be known as like the, you know, he couldn't win the big game. Um, maybe that's been transferred now to Kyle and it's only going to take two decades for him to get that monkey off his back. But I mean, just to, you know, get back to the point here, I think Kyle Shanahan is just going to be known as a choke artist uh, moving forward, whether, you know, a lot of, whether you agree with it or not, that's the way he's going to be perceived. And there's only one way for him to undo that. So you know, one one final person I want to talk about from this game, you guys can feel free to add in some others, but uh, John Lynch, GM for the 49ers. So John Lynch was a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year, I believe the seventh year in a row, and seventh year in a row he was left out. So there were two other safeties that got in, Troy Polamolo and Steve Atwater, who Lynch won't be competing against next year. Uh, but you're going to have Peyton Manning on the ballot for the first time. I don't know who else would be on the ballot. Patrick Willis could uh, could be up there as another guy. Um, and you know some of the other players who have been on it for a while that, that didn't get in this year. And I think Lynch could have really helped out 
his chances of becoming a Hall of Famer by winning a Super Bowl as a general manager. And what he's accomplished to this point as a general manager is a lot. I don't know if it's enough to put him over the edge. If his if being a, a nine-time Pro Bowler is a safety, the most ever by safety isn't enough to get him in, I don't know that just winning one NFC championship is enough. I think had he won the Super Bowl, he would be getting in next year uh, if you combine both his contributions as a player and a general manager. I mean, let's not forget he's got a defensive rookie of the year now on his resume. George Kittle is on his resume. It's it's a it's a different there's there's a lot of uh time left, I guess. If he's gonna continue to get snubbed, I feel like um if he continues at his current pace, he can only strengthen his resume. But yeah, I, I think he's got enough as a player. I, I I've always struggled with the Hall of Fame conversation. Um I think he'll get it eventually. Terrific player and has shown he's been a terrific GM. Not every single move has been perfect, like especially with how much Jarek McKinnon got and did nothing. But for the most part, nine times out of ten, maybe even more than that, he's made some good moves. Especially like you said, Ben, the George Kittle move. Uh, how does I think Corey can answer this? How does Edron James get in and John Lynch doesn't? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. Oh, okay. I, I was shocked when I saw oh, Jim James was voted in. I hated I hated seeing that. I did not understand that that the voting behind that. Yeah, I mean I I was personally more upset that Alan Fanica didn't get in, but uh yeah, I mean Edron James to me seems kind of like the the head scratcher when you look at some of the other guys that that were eligible and did not get voted in. So any other uh, legacies or you know guys who were affected by the outcome of this game you guys want to talk about? No, I mean we we kind of touched on Garoppolo enough already, and and I I kind of have my Richard Sherman rant already. <laughs> All right, so with that, let's uh let's continue our Super Bowl talk, but talk about more things kind of outside just this Super Bowl. You know, some of the. The conversations that have been a part of it, uh, some of the theatrics, and let's start with a little embrace debate. Uh, bring back an old segment we used to do, and uh, so I think uh, in the the week leading up to the game, there was an online petition that got a ton of signatures on it, saying that the Super Bowl should be changed to a Saturday. Uh, at the same time, there was a the uh, commercial series being ran. Um, so Toby from the Office, Ben, what's his the the actor's name? I think his Do name you know? is actually Toby from the Office. It just happens to be that he was that <laughs> on the show as well. Yeah, so he he played the the typical like you know HR type character saying that Super Bowl Monday it's not a thing. It's not actually a holiday as much as uh, people were you know trying to make it a thing. So. I guess so. The first point of discussion is: Would you guys rather have the Super Bowl be moved to a Saturday, or the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday be a national holiday? Obviously, uh, Monday's holiday. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. But but <laughs> let me tell you this. Answer, let me say right? this. Let me say this. As a person who just witnessed my beloved team, that my favorite team in all of sports, that across any sport this is my very, absolute favorite team, losing, um, it's very. Uh, I don't feel very empowered by that. If anything, it feels very um, helpless. I'm like, if only I could have done something to help us win, which obviously you can't. I had no influence on this game whatsoever. Um, I'm not very superstitious either, so it's not like I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I washed my lucky socks, and that's why we lost. I, ge I genuinely felt like I could do nothing to 
change the outcome of this game. So what I resolved to do was to like go to bed immediately and wake up and get on with my life and accomplish things and do things. And that actually made me feel better to go to work, you know, kick some butt, get st- some stuff done. Um, and you know, can, and I, I've genuinely used it as motivation to get my life moving. So even though there's no reason not to have a holiday, let's have a holiday. I think it did me some good to have something to do instead of just like laying in my own despair after watching them lose. I mean, I'm not in favor of either, really. I think it's fine the way it is. But if it's between Saturday or the Monday holiday, yeah, I agree. The Monday holiday is better. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Having it on Saturday and then just having no football on Sunday, that, that doesn't make any sense. And then if you're Ben and you have your t- favorite team lose in the Super Bowl, yeah, you could have Monday off and you don't have to uh, experience all that pain. You can just take the... Have all the data yourself. So I would, I would yeah, lean I, Monday. I, I, I agree. I mean, taking off, having the Monday off, uh, would be, would be great. Um, no work, no school. I, I worked from home on Monday, uh, just cause I, I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily think that I would be waking up in the greatest state, uh, to be able to, you know, want to deal with, uh, sitting in traffic going into the office and i realized that i was fine but it would be nice to just not have to worry about yeah that. and let me like this is a very uncharacteristic super bowl because most super bowls don't have my favorite team in them and uh, most super bowls i'm doing a lot more drinking i did not do much drinking for this one i was very focused i didn't even eat much either uh at, like there was plenty of amazing snacks at the super bowl party i was at but i was glued to my seat paying close attention to the game um so that is also influencing my decision here. Normally, I think I would get a little bit more hyped up during the game, uh, but not this one. I remember when the Bruins lost in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. Uh, so yeah, remember, I remember when I, they, the Bruins lost to the Blues in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. I went to the beach the next day instead of work, and it was great. I, <laughs> I needed that. I needed that so bad. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Uh, after that so so i would say i would say the monday holiday for sure need that yeah, day i mean the the monday holiday isn't realistic so one thing that i i thought of so you know how president's day is coming up in a couple weeks uh, a lot of people have it off the stock market is closed no one talks about if the nfl went to an 18 game schedule and everything got pushed back two weeks the super bowl would be the day before president's day so you would have the built-in monday holiday anyway so not to say i'm a proponent of an 18 game schedule but like that would be a, a cool thing that would happen if the schedule stayed the same just tacked on a couple more weeks and the the super bowl was that weekend still so uh, i think the the better question is would you rather have the super bowl played on a saturday or keep it the way it is on sunday I think it would be weird to have it on a Saturday. I know, Brian, you said the same thing. I like the idea of having it on a Sunday night when it is, uh, even if it means having obligations the next day. So the uh, the next thing we're going to talk about, so another old segment, goodbye, old friend. So is this something I'm not even totally sure if everyone is aware of this. I feel like uh, you had – it kind of – Went under the radar, but uh, Vernon Davis, former 49ers tight end, actually retired. And I found out he retired during the pregame show. So when I found that out, I I wasn't watching at the time. So my thought was, oh, they just had him in Miami for whatever reason. You know, he's doing uh, the pregame stuff, talking with, uh, you know, Kurt Menefee and the gang, and he announced his retirement. But no, I found out 
he was in a some kind of pregame spot with Rob Gronkowski and James Harrison when they were saying that they're retired and talking about the Super Bowl as retirees. And then Vernon Davis comes on and is like, yeah, me too. That's right. I'm retired now. <laughs> just like, oh, that's an interesting way to, <laughs> to announce it. Um, so, Ben, I, I think Davis probably means the most to you out of any of us here. I, uh, yeah, I own a Vernon Davis jersey. Uh, he was one of my favorite players during his time at the 49ers. And he's one of those guys that, it, you know, it, it broke my heart to see him leave the team without earning a ring. He was one of the premier 49ers. And even though he joined the team a little bit before I really started paying close attention to football in general, um, he was kind of a success story, a guy who went from being kind of a problem child out of college to being one of the most team first guys um, on the 49ers, which you love to see as a fan. He also is was an amazing athlete at Maryland when he was in school. He broke all these different like track and field and weightlifting records as a sophomore and then broke them again as a junior. Like he was just a physical freak. Uh, he was one of the few tight ends who could be uh, in the same conversation as Gronkowski during his career for only for a couple of years, but still Gronkowski is an amazing legend. And for uh, Vernon Davis to compete with him, um, was really cool to see the really nice thing about Vernon Davis is he has the he has the um career that I think I would I would be satisfied with uh if I was an actual football player like if I could be Vernon Davis I would be just fine with that because he played for the 49ers had some meaningful years went to the Super Bowl unfortunately lost but then got traded to the Broncos the year that they won the whole thing and got himself a Super Bowl ring before returning to his hometown team um, playing for the Redskins uh, and being more of a you know a grizzled old veteran who had his time to make highlight plays every once in a while, uh, which was great. So I'm super happy for him. I think he's had an amazing career, um, and I hope that he continues to do great things, uh, you know, outside of football. Yeah, you've definitely had that discussion before. I don't know if it was on this podcast. You're just talking together, but that does seem like a pretty ideal career path. Um, so I, I do think it was kind of interesting the way you were describing Vernon Davis as being the ultimate team player. So were you around at all in terms of being a 49ers fan during the Mike Singletary Not era? in a meaningful way. Like I was, I was still go 49ers, but I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that Singletary had a press conference where he was can't like, win with them. Up. He was like can't coach him. him, right? Can't play yeah. with them. That was Vernon yeah. Davis, right? And he, like yep. I said, he was a problem child coming out, but he it was able to reform himself into the exact opposite of that. This um, very friendly smile, like uh, very open to the community, just a great PR guy for any football team that he's on, um, and that was really great to see. Yeah, re- really turned himself around after that. Jim Harbaugh played a big role with that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, any opportunity you have to, to win a Super Bowl um, is obviously something you're not going to pass up on. And then being able to end your career in uh, the the area that you well, grew up yeah, in. Yeah, and so. also, like, when he left, it felt like, A, we didn't get enough in resp- return for him, and B, we needed him, but we got rid of him anyway. But that was back when the 49ers were just hemorrhaging talent uh, because our fr- our front office was so toxic that good players didn't want to play for us anymore. So, Speaking of, did you see that the Jaguars hired Trent Baalke today? <laughs> oh, man, a hearty laugh from me uh, after that one. I can't believe they've done this. What, uh, what are they doing? Trent Baalke, he has a long list of just 
long-armed individuals with torn ACLs that never played for the 49ers, or when they did, they were trash. So good luck with him. My favorite Vernon Davis memory is the playoff game versus the Saints that went back and forth, and he catches that last touchdown to win the game, and then him and Harbaugh are hugging it out on the sideline, him being very emotional, and yeah, he's seems like a very super nice guy, hardworking guy, and it, I, it when you when you see him then, it, it you forget like what happened earlier in his career with Singletary, like I mentioned before, where or what Corey mentioned, where Singletary had that press conference saying, "Oh yeah, you can't win him with him, you can't coach him, uh, he's he's not worth it," and it, so it's awesome to see what Vernon Davis was to turn around his personality and his work ethic and all that and have the career he had that uh that catch that you just described is known as the catch three and it's actually in the 49ers museum like his gloves he had on or something like that what was the catch two um i didn't witness it it was uh terrell owens i i don't i can't i'd have to look up exactly the um context but it was to that's all i got for you and obviously everyone knows okay. what the catch it was. Um, yeah. Dwight Clark. So Brandon Davis, uh, first round pick, Super Bowl champion, and uh, recent retiree. To you we say. Goodbye, old friend. So uh, just a, a couple more things about the Super Bowl. Really the, the, the last thing about the, the game itself. And Fox aired this game. And they uh, they came out with some new graphics, and I'm, I I was not a huge fan of this. I I don't know have you guys really cared if you felt like it affected your your experience, but yeah, I, I was like, okay, this is too small. And then all of a sudden, you just have Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes stats just sitting on the screen the whole day, and you know, they throw on some others. I I thought it was wonky. I didn't like it. Not a fan either. It was just keep it simple. I don't know what they were doing. And yeah, I hated whenever there was a touchdown, they would just show a big blob cartoon of each guy that scored a touchdown. It made no sense to me. And yeah, the and the same thing with what, like what you said with the stats, they're just randomly in the corner there, and I didn't get it. Just keep it simple. I uh, I actually really enjoyed the cartoons, but I don't think for the intended purpose. I've been watching a lot of anime recently, so every time it's like, oh, Patrick son, you know, and Damien son, great play, you know, and like. Andy Sensei over there and laughing <laughs> back at you at Kyle Sensei for not knowing like not having the foresight to to win the game you know um, so I I actually had some very strong anime vibes coming through uh, which helped me which helped me deal with the loss every time they showed another Chiefs anime uh, when they scored a touchdown. See, so the I think Fox has done this before where they've debuted a new graphic i've heard it's called score bug before i don't know what you you really refer to that as but where they, they just have the new scoreboard whatever they show that it's just different for the super bowl and then you start to see it everywhere else and i was like ah, i don't like that because not you know of course football is not going to be on fox well they have the xfl still on fox 
And then the NFL won't be again until the preseason in August, but baseball is going to be on Fox on a lot of uh, channels, both the, the main national broadcasts on Fox and FS1, as well as a lot of team broadcasts. They have their own um, Fox Sports local. But I realized that they couldn't have that scoreboard in the middle of the screen because it'd be covering home plate, the catcher, the umpire, like that wouldn't make any sense. So I kind of think that we're not going to see this again, but maybe we'll watch the XFL this weekend and they're still going to have the the uh, cartoons as Cardell Jones scores a touchdown and some of those other you know guys that aren't in the NFL anymore. So um, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan and I, I would like to see them uh, not do that again. I think it was kind of gimmicky for the Super Bowl. Definitely. So. It felt gimmicky for sure. Way too gimmicky. Yep. All right. So uh, before we we conclude our uh, Super Bowl coverage, we have a couple more topics to talk about. And uh, these are things that happen outside of the game. And the first one, the halftime show. So last year, the Super Bowl, you know, Brian has maybe a more biased opinion than Ben and I and uh, other non-Patriots fans, but it wasn't a great game. It was 13 to three. You know, no, you can no, say what fans. you want about a defensive Dude, battle. So, so I, w- <laughs> it was a boring game. I- I'll admit, <laughs> but I will take a boring win over an entertaining loss. Like in Super Bowl 52, where there was points everywhere, but they lost. And, and despite as you know, how bad it was and the, the lack of excitement, the game itself was still arguably better than the halftime show because the halftime show was such a huge letdown with the whole SpongeBob thing and you know the and I don't know if Adam Levine and Maroon Five and uh, Travis Scott really really did anything to to help revive that. So as bad as a game last year, halftime show was also bad. This year though, you know the game itself it, it was a arguably a boring first half, being only ten to ten. It really didn't pick up until the fourth quarter. The halftime show is even better than this game, and that the best ever, maybe. Wow, that is really high praise. I came away. I mean, I can't. I don't know if I can really say the best ever, but the best that I can wow. remember. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like hyperbole, but is it really? I mean, everyone's saying, "Oh, Prince had the best halftime show." That was thirteen years ago. What? what Fourteen if, years ago. Well, I guess wh- I think anyone playing good instruments or just or shaking their butt on camera would have been a better uh, entertainment halftime show than what happened last okay, year. Okay, let's year forget was about last year. Let's forget about last year. Let's talk about, yeah, Corey, talk about ta- this, your, your, this is high praise. What about this year's halftime show elicits this type of praise from you? So I think one thing that really stood out was it had the whole Miami vibe. Shakira, Jennifer Lopez, like that. That this is there. It's a celebration of where the game is being played. I don't know if that's something where you can associate the halftime show always with the location of the game. And I think that was one one big thing. You know, you have Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, both Latina, and Miami, of course, is a big Latino city in the United States. And I, I think that they kind of gave off that vibe as a... Uh, is some I, I don't know if he's a Miami super fan or who he is, but someone um, tweeted out that uh, when you're you're talking about like getting recruits to show up to the U, show them this halftime show. This is what Miami's all about. It's like, hey, yeah, that that's a great reason to go to Miami if that's what Miami's all about. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira is like it was a great performance. It was an entertaining one. You know, I had everybody glued to their seats watching the game, just in awe 
that Shakira at 43 years old, Jennifer Lopez at 50 years old are putting on a show like this. We've had a lot of older bands do halftime shows in the past. And, you know, it it can be a legendary performance, but it's not something that just wows audiences the way it did. And I mean, I think there's some of the whole like women empowerment stuff that really came out of it as well. I think that that's a huge thing that a lot of people love to see. And uh, I I heard that Jay-Z who uh, was part of Rock Nation, they helped produce the game. He was trying to minimize some of that stuff. And Jennifer Lopez was like, no, I'm, well, I'm going to do everything. And we're, we're going to put it all out there. So I, I think that just all around awesome halftime show, just an awesome performance. And I, I going into it, I was like, do I know any Jennifer Lopez songs? And I realized that there, there are some songs that I, I do know of. I just forgot about others that it's like, oh, I didn't know that J-Lo sang this 20 years ago. Uh, so I think that was kind of cool. Just like some of them, of course, you know, Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, She-Wolf, um, she played the World Cup song toward the end. So big, big shout out to soccer fans. Yeah, and they're both really great performers. They put a show on. There's something to look at the whole time as well as something to listen to. And I think that's what you want out of a Super Bowl halftime show. Um, I don't know if my praise matches yours, but I certainly didn't have any problems with this Super Bowl halftime show. They picked an appropriate act for the location and i think they did super well i don't see myself i mean i I love shakira don't get me wrong like her hits but i don't see myself ever watching a j-lo shakira performance in any other context so i was it was novel at least to me um and i feel like we can't talk about this without bringing up the outrage at the performance which in my opinion is not warranted at all Come on, this is the first time you've seen like a grown woman shake her butt? That, go on social media for five seconds. You're going to see a lot worse. So I, I, don't, I didn't have any problem with it. I thought it was a great halftime show. There also wasn't any outrage last year for shirtless Adam Levine at the, the Maroon well, It's because he had so many show. tattoos. It looked like he was still wearing clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like didn't really remember that. And I saw like him as like, wow, there's more, uh, more ink on him. than. Well, he looks skin. like a, um, like create a character in like, in a video game where you can like Sims, you can choose at, like for each body area. There's like an option to put a tattoo and he just loaded out every single area with just a random tattoo. Like it doesn't flow together. You see some of these like MMA guys or like some NFL players or basketball players that have like this. It just looks like a huge collage of tattoos that kind of it's seamless but Adam Levine's are all kind of like individual like placed in each like this is my bicep tattoo this is my forearm tattoo this is my stomach tattoo this is my chest tattoo like it's just yeah he just ha- hadn't gotten one in a while it was like oh what, what else should like, I hey, today? yeah don't get that one too close to my other tattoo they're all individual things like <laughs> But 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 yeah, that was um, again last year. This year, I didn't see anything wrong with what they're wearing, and yeah, it's it is you know they said it's for the male gaze, but um, I don't think that guys were watching that be like, oh yeah, I'm horny now, you know. That's these are this is how perf- there there were some older individuals with some okay, fair enough. But <laughs> this is what Shakira does. I I don't know about I haven't seen as much J yeah, Jennifer yeah. Lopez performances, but this is what Shakira does, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's her performance style. Yeah, and uh, she did that that tongue thing, the uh, uulation. So that's actually a tribute to her Lebanese father. It's called a Zagruda. 
And I think you know that that's gonna become a huge meme. Everyone's just seeing Shakira doing some like weird thing with her tongue right on the camera. But um, I think that's another cool thing that she did. In yeah, the actually, show. there was a lot of like I've seen. I didn't recognize it, but th- I've seen on social media people. There's like this is actually a like Colombian dance. Like this is a traditional dance that her and the choreography were doing. So there was more to it than just hey, look, we're kind of not wearing that much clothing. Yeah, uh, I think. The the one thing though that uh, was I don't know if I want to say like I'm disappointed that it was missing, but it's something that it w- was missing was uh Mr. Three Hundred Five yes. himself. Yeah, okay, he was definitely Pitbull. missing. I thought Pitbull was actually going to be like as part of this halftime show. He did like a pregame show outside before the game. I thought that was just a build up to the halftime show. And honestly, watching it didn't even really think about the fact that Pitbull wasn't there. And then afterwards, all these people are saying, wait, where was Pitbull? Like, Pitbull, like, was all, like, upset that he wasn't in this uh, halftime show. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I, I wouldn't call myself a Pitbull fan, but uh, I, I appreciate him more than I think a lot of people well, do. Well, sure, it's, so, it's like, um, no. you know how some people, they're like, I disagree with Trump, but, like, you have to respect the office of the president. I feel that way about respecting the office of Mr. Worldwide. You know, it's like it's like he it, he it, he has the title currently, so you have to at least respect that. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely, and uh, he he didn't get that respect in the Super Bowl, so I'm sure that he'll be uh, back with a vengeance the next time the Super Bowl is in Miami. In well, a few let's be years. honest. Come on, the Super Bowl is the one that gets a short end of the stick in that situation. You know, I'm sure that he would they would have loved to have him. Maybe he was busy. Busy, like on the in the crowd, looking up at the stage, is like, oh, I forgot to come on. <laughs> this is oh, that wait, this is a Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, he'll do the Pro Bowl next year in Orlando. That's close enough. Right? He can play in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let let's wrap things up with uh, another segment that. You guys thought it was gone forever. It's it's not. It's not gone. Uh, the top five is is back. If if just for this one episode. So last year, all three of us counted down our uh, favorite Super Bowl commercials. This year, uh, Ben, being the anti-commercial guy he is, decided he wasn't going to watch any of them. So instead of us all making individual lists, we decided to compile our own combined list, which is mostly just me and Brian. Uh, But with that, let's uh, count down our favorite commercials from Super Bowl 54 in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. And let me be clear here. I was focused a lot on the game. We were watching on the Fox's stream, um, which means I was at least seconds behind, if not minutes. Uh, So I wasn't looking at my phone, even though it was blowing up during this game. And... This, the commercials were when I could check. So I, yep. th- plus I was at a Super Bowl party where I was surprised at how irreverent m- the other party goers were towards the commercials. It, like just because the commercials were on did not mean that you could hear them because people were talking. So I didn't feel qualified to make a top five knowing that I had missed well over half of the con- uh, the commercials. But some of them I did see, including some that are on this list. I was surprised that I was able to make a top five because during the commercial, I missed most of the commercials during the game. Whenever the game would go to commercials, I would actually switch over to some movies. Have you guys ever seen the movie Good Burger? Uh, yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. You yeah. were watching that movie was Good on Burger and during the <laughs> Yeah, I had I you, okay. I switched over to You were definitely Burger rooting for Andy Reid in this game. <laughs> oh yeah, no question. <laughs> I was rooting for the Chiefs. Yes, I was. I'll I will admit that. Uh, but yeah. all right, let's go. Let's go with our topic. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll get it started with our our number five commercial, and that is uh, actually a series of commercials. The Laundry Later Tide Ads, starring Charlie Day and Emily Hampshire, and you know Tide has been doing this for a couple of years now, where it's just like out of nowhere. Wait, this is a Tide ad. Now this was one where okay, Charlie Day gets a stain on his shirt from the Emily Hampshire's wing. So yeah, this is going to be a Tide ad. But they just kept rolling with it. It's like, do laundry later. When is later? And then all of a sudden, Bud Light comes into play and they're at, uh, with like the Bud Knight and he's like, it's 1436. Yeah, this isn't later. And they're all laughing at his stain and it just keeps going through like the, throughout the Super Bowl with all these other series of ads. And I think that is a great way to do it. And having a funny guy like Charlie Day is going to make it that much more enjoyable. I really enjoyed as much as I come off as an anti-ad guy. It's I, it's not an absolute thing. I like some ads. And the NFL versus Tide ads that were playing, especially early in the season, were actually funny because it was like Tide being like, you need to do laundry on Sundays. And then Peyton Manning would take the podium and be like, no, Sundays are for football. You got to do laundry on Tuesdays. Uh, and, and, and then they would have people from that network who were like, no, our show is on Tuesdays. Do the, your, your uh, laundry during the NFL on Sunday. And it was, I loved it. It was actually a lot of fun. I'm not an anti-ad guy either. I just, there are just some that are way overplayed, like especially the state farm one, farm ones with the, with Rogers Mahomes and that annoying, stupid uh, insurance guy who made his terrible jokes like uh, Mahomes or whatever it was like. I don't know. I, I Some of them are just overplayed and can be annoying. But if they're good, then I enjoy them. Yeah, and I, I think that, that Tide has been doing a great job. I don't know if they did it this year, but I remember last year, every Thursday night game, you would think that um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were getting into the commentary to, to start previewing the game. And then, nope, it's a Tide ad. So I think it, it's kind of fun the way they, they've always done that. Um, and it's something that I, I hope they continue to do because uh, I think that that's a, a fun brand of commercials and we don't have too many of those these days. All right. So for number four, I did see this commercial. Uh, it was the Brady announcement uh, and the commercial starts off with him walking into the stadium and it looks like he's about to announce a football decision, whether that's going to a different team or retiring, but as a joke, he decides to announce that Hulu's got this uh, special deal, and uh, and then at the end of it, Brady talks about how he's not going anywhere, and I was I was a huge fan of the. I was a huge fan of it. Whether if he leaves to a different team or if he stays with the Patriots. Yeah, I took that more was, of like a, a cool idea I, for a commercial. I'm not going anywhere in respect to the NFL. Like I'm going to continue to play football. exactly. Right. Yeah. He's going to continue playing. I think a lot of Patriots fans were, were reading too closely into that. I mean, there wasn't any mention of Patriots in the, the commercial. It was filmed at Gillette Stadium, but they they took out the logos and everything, so you can't even tell that's where it was. So, yeah, to me, it's very much just he's not retiring, which I think most of us were under the impression of at this point, um, just based on the, the things that he said in the last month. You know, obviously, it was, it was still speculation. 
But yeah, I mean, to me, it's just he's still playing in the NFL and his fans, you know, while there, I think it's crazy for people to be a Tom Brady fan without being Patriots fans uh, that that does encapsulate more than just uh, those in the New England area. So, um, you know, Ben, you also mentioned like watching this on the Fox stream. I was watching this on Hulu, uh, so I can say that Hulu does have live sports and uh, they, you, it was a little behind. No, they're not paying me. They're, they're a little behind, but I mean, it, I was able to watch it on there. So if, if Brady inspired you to get it, and I, I think that you're, you're getting a pretty decent service. So number three, uh, somewhat related topic, the Smart Pack Hyundai commercials with uh, you know, John Krasinski, Chris Evans. And, uh, you know, I don't really consider myself a Boston guy. I root for the Red Sox. I root for the Celtics. I like going to Boston. I'm from Southern New Hampshire. I don't have a Boston accent. I don't like have any desire to live in the Boston area, but I, I can appreciate a commercial like this with, with Boston actors and actresses in it. And uh, I, I mean, Brian, you, you also had this one pretty high on your list. I imagine you're kind of a fan of it for the same reasons as exact, I am. Yep, the exact same reasons. Just having Boston actors using their over over the top Boston accent for the uh smart pack or whatever it was. I don't as you can as you can tell I don't have a Boston accent either, but I still thought it was amusing. And then just seeing Big Poppy uh on the at the top window um also giving his thoughts on yep. the smart yep. pack. Yeah, he was he was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I just like to think about all the uh Boston like people who live in Boston watching this commercial being like What's the joke? Like they just hear it as normal English, and they're like, "Okay, like why are you saying smart park so many times?" Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think that uh, either of them have that kind of accent in real life. No, I, but, I don't uh, think they, so. They, <laughs> no, they they did a good job of really, really uh, adopting that one, really poking fun of it, and having a good time. So, so for number two, it is the. Jeep Groundhog Day commercial with starring Bill Murray. Uh, if anyone, if you guys or anyone else hasn't seen the movie Groundhog Day, uh, Bill Murray wakes up the same day every single day on Groundhog Day, and and that's what the commercial shows of him doing that, reenacting everything in the movie. But then it, he sees this Jeep that he really loves and decides to take it every single time he wakes up, and uh, it's a very amusing commercial and. Uh, I'm sure Ben wouldn't want to experience that. Uh, what happened on Sunday every <laughs> single day? I, I think I think the sports and, would lose its meaning at that point. Although, if you think about it, maybe I'd have enough chances that I could eventually figure out how to influence the 49ers to win, and maybe that's what would end the cycle. But here's what here was oh, here's I, my takeaway from this. I I when I saw this, I was like, oh, they're even using the same actors. Like maybe th- they scrapped the idea to remake Groundhog Day, and they're like, ah, we'll just make an ad. Like that's enough for us because all these movies are getting rebooted. And then I thought about what kind of dystopian like nightmare it would be to remake a movie with the same actors that's about redoing the same day over and over again. Like that remake would be the exact same movie, just everyone would be old. <laughs> It would not nothing would have yeah. to change and they would be like we nailed it 
That's basically what it was. It was just they used three of the same actors from the movie, and they're just a lot older than they were when the movie. Yes, came I out. would. I much preferred this to a full length remake of Groundhog Day. I, I would. I would watch a Groundhog Day Part Two instead of starring Bill Murray. It'd be it'd be you, Ben, and Wyke waking up for the Niners Super Bowl. Everyone's all pumped up, and you're just sitting there. I already know the outcome. Chair, knowing what's gonna happen. <laughs> And well, if that was the case, then maybe I'd pay more attention to the commercials and I could have my own top five. <laughs> I, I knew that Brian was going to put this commercial pretty high on his personal list because about a year ago, Brian and I uh, did our top five romantic comedies. And I'm pretty sure you had Groundhog Day pretty high up on your list. Yeah. And I, I also thought of a top five idea where we would do top five things you would do if you were like waking up the same day every day on Groundhog Day or whatever, and yeah, I do remember you you coming up with that one as well. So yeah, yeah I mean, it, if if you want to uh, go back and listen to that top five, I think it was our February thirteenth, twenty nineteen episode. If I have that date correct, C- crazy uh, stupid so right, love is still my favorite. Uh, yeah, it was right right before Valentine's Day. Hey, if you want to hear our uh, takes on who's going to win the twenty nineteen NBA Slam Dunk contest as well, uh, feel free to listen to the entire episode. I don't remember what episode it was, but I remember one time you asked the question, all right, who's going to win the 2020 Super Bowl? Or, yeah, the 2020 Super Bowl. And I, I said Chiefs uh, just, yeah. just oh, randomly I said, out there. I've been, I was Chiefs uh, over the Bears not going that, into the season. Not that that's so. really a hot take because they were a pretty good favorite, but still kind of neat. Yeah, so uh, let's wrap things up with our number one. And... It's a second year in a row where, as a podcast, I think we can agree that the one of the best, uh, or in my opinion, the best commercials was produced by the NFL itself. Last year, it was the introduction to NFL 100 uh, with all of the uh, greats from past and present at a reception. And this year, it is the introduction into the next 100. Uh, Take it to the house, kid. And I mean, that, that was just awesome commercial. I, I didn't really know what to expect with that. Uh, There's just like so many cool things like the kids running and John, John Brown. No, Jim Brown was on the bench. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Take it to the house kid. And then you keep going. He stops at the Pat Tillman statue. And then all of a sudden he's inside Hard Rock Stadium. I think that was just an unbelievable. Totally agree. So that, cool. Yeah. And really just the cherry on top of what was an amazing season of looking back and appreciating what the NFL has accomplished in a hundred years. It's one of the things that makes winning a Super Bowl or or doing anything like winning an MVP uh, or breaking some sort of record, like that it will be remembered that it will be looked back on and, you know, treasured Um, even a hundred years later means a lot. And it's what, you know, people who pay attention to this sport, that's why they put so much value into it is because it is the ongoing story of the NFL and a, a season like this to look back and appreciate it, I think helps to cement that, that this is, has some sort of meaning and will have meaning into the future. I was a huge, like, like you guys said, I was a huge fan of the commercial and I think my favorite part, I think Corey, you just mentioned it was the, the Pat Tillman uh, part where like he's running everywhere and everyone's saying take it to the house kid but then all of a sudden they pause in the middle of it and he's just looking at the pat tillman statue right outside uh the university of phoenix stadium and i thought that was pretty cool and then and then the, the live feed at the end where he's running on the field giving the ball to the ref 
uh, to start the game as well. I thought that was awesome as well. Yeah, they did a really cool job with that. So I knew that the the league was uh, getting kids to represent every team um, in some way in the Super Bowl. I didn't know how they were going to do it, so I thought that was cool. They were all running after him, all got to be onto the field like that. So I think the NFL did a really, really great job of that production. And you know, here's to the next 100 years of uh, the National Football League, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens from here. Uh, it, it, I think uh, it, I'm going to miss a lot of the the looking back reflection stuff they did. Uh, but I, I'm happy that one of the final things was naming the the greatest moment in NFL history, which was uh, awarded to Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception. So one positive for the Steelers and then otherwise uh, what will, um, will ultimately be a forgettable season. So with that, that will wrap up our Super Bowl 54 recap reactions uh everything and uh before we close out the episode uh, we do want to spend some time uh discussing the uh, tragedy that had occurred uh between this episode and the prior episode as uh everyone knows by now kobe bryant gianna bryant and seven others uh, john altabelli carrie altabelli Alyssa altabelli sarah chester Peyton chester christina mauser and ara zobayan were killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. Uh, that was last Sunday uh, before the Super Bowl. And really just shocking. And uh, I I don't think it's all that crazy to think that Kobe Bryant was someone who is almost larger than life and you never in a million years would have imagined him dying the way he did as as young as he did like so fresh out of his career really enjoying retirement the kind of guy that you expect to see around the game like so many others and I, I think it's uh for everyone uh there's there's a lot of emotions that have uh, been been involved in the past week plus since this happened yeah uh as a Celtics fan a lifelong Celtics fan I've uh, I really enjoyed the the battles that they had in the 08 finals and then the 2010 finals, even though the Celtics lost and uh, it was, it's still a great rivalry to this day. And uh, I, this, and after the death of Kobe uh, a week ago, the entire week uh, I would watch a ton of Kobe Bryant videos. I'd watch what his videos on uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. And uh, I would watch, uh, the most heartbreaking thing to me was watching Dear Basketball. If you ever, if you guys ever seen that short film he made where he won an Oscar, watching that. Yeah, I haven't actually seen it, but but yeah, watching that short film with knowing what happened last week is really heartbreaking. And then also the tribute that they had on uh, this past Friday, where when they were play- playing the Trailblazers uh, during the halftime show, when they played uh, when Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth, they they played see you again that was on that was a tribute to paul walker but just seeing just seeing that um with everything that happened with kobe was was also pretty emotional scene as well one of my favorite things about kobe bryant was that he was larger than basketball um and he was a big proponent of um the beautiful game of, of soccer and especially the united states women's national team i actually remember back in 2010 Every time the Super Bowl, or sorry, the uh, World Cup happens, Nike usually makes a big, you know, mul- like multiple minute long commercial with all the biggest players. 
And in 2010, it was called Write the Future. And it would show how each little decision made during the World Cup could influence the future from, you know, Wayne Rooney losing the ball and like totally becoming irrelevant and living in a trailer and actually like working on the field instead of playing like he tends to the field instead of being a player to uh you know him getting the ball back and then he gets knighted by the queen and all of the babies are named wayne that year and one of the scenarios they had in this commercial was ronaldinho doing this multiple step over move where he stepped over the ball a bunch of times and then it showed that getting clipped on youtube and getting millions of views and then little kids around the world doing it and then you know late night talk show hosts doing it and it all culminated in a pinnacle moment where kobe bryant hits a three and then he does the ronaldinho move and like does a little twirl and he's like yeah even i'm doing the ronaldinho move he was so big that he was part of this huge worldwide campaign. And that's just one example of how he was able to go beyond basketball, a game that he dominated and was known for uh, in a huge way. I mean, this was a story that it wasn't just uh, like an athlete, a sports story. This is a family story. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, was also involved in this horrific event. And... And we, you just hear all these stories about how great Kobe was, you know, the, the hashtag girl dad thing. And um, it, it feels like they're as, as big of a loss as he is. Like his daughter, you just like if something like this were to happen, you almost feel like we're going to be hearing in years from now about Gigi uh, carrying on Kobe's legacy, playing for UConn like she wanted to do, playing in the WNBA NBA like she wanted to do. And that's just robbed from us. And that's just another thing that, we're going to look back on as like a, another reason how just how how awful this this whole tragedy is. Yeah, here, and, here, hearing the story of after Kobe retired, he was just away from basketball. He wanted nothing to do with basketball, but then all of a sudden when his daughter uh tried to wanted to be like Kobe and started to play basketball herself, that brought Kobe back into the game, his love for the game. And then what was again what was also heartbreaking was during when I watched the Jimmy Kimmel interview with Kobe, um, he talked about how like yeah, Gigi she wants to go to UConn or or wherever and play college basketball and then in the WNBA. And hearing that and knowing what happened last week uh, is is awful. Yeah, just a, a really, really heartbreaking story. And then it had seven other victims who were involved and uh, their their lives were, were lost way too short. Um, John Altabelli was someone who is a junior college baseball coach. He won 700 games at Orange County Community College. And there there have been uh, stories and comparisons coming out where people were saying that he was the Kobe of junior college baseball. And uh, Jeff Passan had this... Uh, report right away uh, about his death and how Jeff McNeil said that you know he's he's a an all-star for the New York Mets and he doesn't think he'd be playing professional baseball right now if it wasn't for Altabelli helping him in his career earlier uh, last decade so I mean there are just so many lies you had uh, Christina Mauser a coach for this team you had you know Gigi died and then you had two other girls on that basketball team I just can't imagine being like one of those teammates and just knowing you lost three of your your teammates and I, it's just uh just a horrible tragedy all around and uh, I think that uh, you know Kobe 
will, will continue to live on in, in memories. And the, the NBA has done so much stuff you know, between teams taking 24-second, 8-second violations. And the NBA All-Star game, they're all going to wear number 24 on Team Giannis, number 2 on Team LeBron in honor of Gigi. So there, there's really been a, a lot of stuff that uh, the league is doing and um, expense beyond just the nba and beyond i really do hope that part of his legacy now will be this hashtag girl dad um thing it's as much as a supporter of women's i consider myself to be a supporter of women's sports but it's really tough because it's just not as well covered it's just not as it's not as big and um what you need is people who have a voice to help bring these women's sports more to the forefront and Kobe Bryant was doing that and now so many other athletes have been inspired to you know represent and say yes I have a daughter and I'm very proud of her and I can't wait for her to accomplish big things and I hope that that can kind of move the uh you know move the line a little bit towards equality and having women be more you know regarded as more relevant in sports um, I hope that there's a whole generation of young women now that are going to strive for excellence that, you know, we all expected from Gigi uh, that now she she won't have the opportunity to attain, but hopefully they can be inspired to do that on her behalf. Yeah, I, I really hope that there are other athletes who can uh, continue to have the, the strong message that Kobe Bryant had in you know, his, his final final days. Um, just being such a huge proponent of women's basketball and women's sports, because I, I think that, you know, the NBA can live on without him, but um, it, it's, he had the, I think he's someone who really could have uh, had a meaningful impact on the WNBA. And uh, I think it's, it's really, really crushing to know that uh, someone who was such a huge supporter of them is, is gone now. It also sucks how you hear like, that he died in a helicopter crash and the reasoning why he used the helicopter was being a dad and helping her and other people on the team get to a game to avoid all the traffic. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's terrible to know as well. He flew in that helicopter so many times and you know it, it kind of increases your risk but you don't expect something like that to happen. Uh, you never really hear about all these airplane and helicopter crashes these days that you maybe did way back in the the early days of of flight. So, yeah, just a really un- unthinkable, horrible tragedy. And uh, there's this is, we we could talk so much about this, but um, I think you just gotta remember all those lives lost and you appreciate every day, man. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, you never. There's no guarantees, and I think that this is something that a lot of people are realizing and it's it's unfortunate that it takes a tragic event like this to have that reminder but it's really, really i was ju- i was just about to say the same thing like anytime you hear a death um whether if it's on the news or a celebrity or whatever it's kind of like yeah live 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 every day live your best life or whatever and then you, you just forget about that but like when K- kobe died with the tragedy that 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 happened like that really took a toll on everyone where it's like, yeah, take this seriously. Like live every day the best you can. Yep. So, you know, moving forward, we'll be, we'll be talking more NBA on this podcast. Uh, We have the NBA trade deadline coming up. 
we have the NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, the past two years, we've done a uh, kind of our preview, look ahead to the, the slam dunk contest, three-point contest, give our thoughts on all the festivities that go on. So we'll be, we'll be talking more happier NBA stories in the coming months. Um, but for now, we, we do remember the, the lives of uh, Kobe, Gigi Bryant, and the the others who who passed away in this tragic event. So, uh, do you guys have any way to kind of end this episode on a high note? So I know I know Ben, this is kind of a sad all around episode for you as the the Forty ers losing, but we can look ahead to to uh, brighter things in the future. Thunder up. Thunder up, man. It's, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking more basketball. I'm looking forward to t- having more conversations with you guys. I know that this is a tough episode for me, but um, you know, I really do enjoy doing this. I'm happy that you know that's part of taking you know living every uh, day uh, and taking full advantage. You know, doing something like this with you guys, I, I'm I'm really proud of that. Yeah, I really appreciate you you know sticking it through having this uh, conversation about the the 49ers because. It's tough, you know. We we've all all know what it's like to have your favorite team lose. Yeah, the Super and I Bowl, I, so. I knew it would make me feel better, and I do feel better. So I'm ready to move on. All right. So for Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Corinna Botney. Thanks, everyone.